host, Emily. I am glad you're here. Welcome to season four of the podcast, where we're diving into a a not-so-deep conversation about romantic comedies. You know, that problematic corner of pop culture that we've all seen and kind of like, despite the fact that the relationships are often surface level, no one is communicating well, and the story ends when everyone is happy and shows nothing about the hard stuff that actually comes with being in a relationship. This is going to be a good time. Today, we're going to look at two movies with almost identical plots, 1940's The Shop Around the Corner, starring Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan, and 1998's You've Got Mail, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, which is, of course, a modern remake of The Shop Around the Corner. Before we compare and contrast and pick apart the movies, a quick background about the storyline, which I'm completely stealing from IMDb. The original source material for this plot is the 1937 play, and I cannot pronounce the Hungarian name, so I'm going to go with the English one, which is Parfumery by writer Miklos Laszlo. That felt good. Uh, It has been adapted into numerous other movies and plays. The first film adaptation was The Shop Around the Corner, which came out in 1940. The first musical adaptation was In the Good Old Summertime, which came out in 1949, starring Judy Garland and Van Johnson. In 1963, a second musical adaptation called She Loves Me premiered on Broadway. Its first production starred Daniel Massey and Barbara Cook and was a critical success, but kind of a box office disappointment, which I don't understand what that means if it was on Broadway. Anywho, in 1993, there was another Broadway revival and a third one, which came out in 2016 with Laura Benanti and Zachary Levi and Jane Krakowski which I maybe might have seen at least 15 times because I have no chill when it comes to Zachary Levi. It's so good. You should see it. He got nominated for a Tony. Anywho, so while MGM planned a film version of She Loves Me designed to reunite Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke following Mary Poppins in 1964, it was ultimately scrapped, which is a shame because I think that could be pretty good. And then a third film version of the story came out. And that's, of course, You've Got Mail, 1998, which updated the plot to embrace the techno age. And it was, of course, written by Nora Ephron, the genius of so many romantic comedies. So that's that's kind of the history of this particular storyline. Uh, we are going to go through both movies because they are a little different. Um, so we'll do some summary of both. Hopefully you don't get too bored with that, but that's okay. This is my podcast. <laughs> so the shop around the corner. There's actually a lot more going on in the story than you would think on the surface. It's set in Hungary, a Hungarian perfumery owned by Mr. Matichuk, played by Frank Morgan, also known as the Wonderful Wizard of Oz. And it's basically a boutique shop that sells face creams and perfume and luggage and cigar boxes that play music. There's there's just about everything there. Then you have Mr. Kralik. Kralik? <sighs> I know, played by Jimmy Stewart. And he's kind of Matichek's right hand man. He's invited over to his home for dinner a lot. He helps manage the store and the staff. And he's just an all around nice guy because he's Jimmy Stewart. Kralik had been corresponding via letter to a mysterious lonely woman and is starting to fall head over heels for her. And he talks a lot about her to one of his co workers, Pirovich. We'll talk about him again in a second. So they are at work, and then one day Mrs. Ms. Novak, a young and beautiful woman, walks into the store just desperate for a job. Kralik explains that they don't currently have any openings, but after charming Mr. Matichuk, she joins the staff. And Kralik and Novak have kind of a difficult relationship. They bicker, 
They squabble, they get on each other's nerves, which isn't helped when Mr. Matichuk unexpectedly becomes really frustrated with Mr. Kralik without giving a reason. He's yelling at him, he's blaming him for things, and poor Jimmy Stewart's just kind of left with, I don't know what's going on. Also in the shop is Pirovich. He's a close friend and confidant of Mr. Kralix. He has um, some kids and a wife at home. He's kind of the unassuming one. Uh, then there's Iona, Ilona. There's an L in there, who is kind of quiet but friendly. You have Flora, who means the cash register. Mr. Vadas, who is a bragger and a dandy. Pretty annoying. And then there's Pepe, the delivery boy with a huge personality. Now, this does differ. I'm going to talk about the, the Zachary Levi musical from time to time because it does follow it so closely. In the musical, Ilona and his not, he's not known as Mr. Vadas, I don't believe. Um, they, they have a relationship going. They don't in this. Um, the women actually have no part, really. Few have speaking words, except for Margaret Sullivan, who plays Ms. Novak. So a couple things happen in quick succession. Mr. Matichik demands everyone stay late to decorate for Christmas and is in a supremely horrible mood. Mr. Kralik is upset because he's finally set a date to meet his mysterious pen pal, but now he has to stay late for work. Miss Novak is also upset because she too has, to, has a date and doesn't want to stay. They argue a bit and then Mr. Matichik kind of turns on Mr. Kralik once again, ending with the younger manager quitting collecting his pay and leaving heartbroken and confused. He does not know just what happened at his job. Mr. Matichek kicks everyone out of the store and then a private detective arrives and it turns out that Mr. Matichek believed his wife had been cheating on him and he was convinced that it was Mr. Kralik since he had been over to his home several times. The private detective reveals that it's actually, spoiler, Mr. Vadas, the fop with the big ego. So, Heartbroken and warning the movie's going to take a sad turn, Mr. Matichuk goes into his office, shuts the door, and picks up a gun. Right at that moment, Peppy, the delivery boy, walks in, yells for Mr. Matichuk to stop, and you hear a gunshot. There's a bit of a cliffhanger as the scene then shifts to Mr. Kralik, who is joined by Pirovich, and they're standing outside of this restaurant where Kralik is supposed to be meeting his dear friend, the pen pal. He's had a really rough day, and he's brought his friend along to creepily peer in the window for him to see if this woman he's been corresponding with is beautiful. Uh, turns out, spoiler, the pen pal is none other than Ms. Novak, of course. Kralik can't believe it, has no desire to walk in there and be berated by this young woman, and kind of leaves her sitting alone at the table. Until he doesn't, because he's really a nice guy. Oh, Jimmy Stewart's so nice. Uh, so when he goes in, he doesn't tell her who he is. He does not say that he is the dear friend. No, instead he chooses to get her entirely flustered as she nervously waits for the man she's fallen for. They do some more bickering before parting ways. Novak devastated that her dear friend never showed up. So back to Matichuk. Pepe calls Kralik, who immediately rushes to the hospital. The perfumery owner is okay, just under observation, and apologizes to his young manager for the way that he had been behaving. He asks him to come back and gives him an official promotion to manager, and then Kralik accepts, of course, and also agrees to quietly fire Mr. Vadas. The devastated Novak shows up at work the next day, desperate to talk to Mr. Matichek, and then faints from despair. I have some thoughts about that. We'll get to that. Kralik visits her home and you see that his behavior towards her shifts a bit. He's starting to see her not only as the frustrating coworker, but also the woman he has been writing these beautiful letters to and has been receiving beautiful letters from. And during his 
visit, another letter arrives for Ms. Novak. Her pen pal, which she still does not know is in the room with her, has written to tell her that he was at the restaurant but chose not to approach when he saw her talking to another man. Her spirits are immediately lifted. So their relationship continues to change back at the store. She's back at work. The bickering turns to flirting and kind conversation. The store is in a frenzy. They're trying to make it the best Christmas ever for Mr. Matichuk, who will soon be getting out of the hospital. And so after a record-breaking Christmas Eve, the employees head home to celebrate the holiday with their families. While Ms. Novak is gathering her things, she starts to talk to Mr. Kralik about her first impressions of him about and about her dear friend. She admits... Um, that she was attracted to him. And then Kralik comes up with a story that he spoke to the pen pal and works fast to cast, cast doubts in her mind about him right before revealing his own feelings towards her. And finally, that he is, in fact, your friend. Um, we will talk about my feelings on the whole plot in general after we talk away through You've Got Mail. But a couple of observations about this particular adaptation. One, I fall for Jimmy Stewart each time I watch this one. He has such a sweetness about him, a gentility that is, it's swoon worthy. It really is. I just love him in about everything I've ever seen him in. Uh, there is no other movie like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington that just tugs at my heartstrings every single time. Or if you haven't seen, this is not the Jimmy uh, Stewart Appreciation Week, but if you haven't seen Mr. Hobbs Takes a Vacation, I highly recommend that one too. It's hilarious. And then number two, Ms. Novak going on and on about her um, psychological problem, as she calls it, really starts to get on my nerves just a smidge. That's what she calls her sadness over being stood up by the man she's never actually met. Then she goes and she faints. And the delicateness of women in early movies makes me cringe from time to time. Perfectly acceptable to feel your feelings, to feel hurt and disappointed. But come on, ma'am, you are a modern woman with a job and hobbies. You are not a spinster. Pull yourself together. Come on. <laughs> so that's the shop around the corner. On to You've Got Mail. And I have a sneaking suspicion this summary will be a little quicker since we've laid the groundwork for the actual storyline. So we've got Joe Fox, uh, F-O-X, a rich entrepreneur who works with his family and owns a franchise of bookstores called Fox Books, similar to like a Barnes & Noble or a Borders. Do you remember Borders? I liked Borders. Um, then you've got Kathleen Kelly, the owner of a cute, quaint, and cozy independent bookstore. I also really love independent bookstores. There is a great one in Franklin, Indiana, the Wild Geese Bookshop. If you have not been, it's worth taking a road trip down there. It's fantastic. The owner is so sweet and nice and just so passionate about what she does. I love it. So they are both secretly corresponding with the mysterious other via email while both in committed relationships. They talk about bouquets of freshly sharpened pencils, New York in the fall, butterflies on the subway, bagel flour in the air, the godfather wishing they could say the perfect comeback in the moment instead of hours later, and so much more. They're vulnerable with one another, and it's just disgustingly adorable. And that, of course, has so much to do with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. They, the way they pull this off is fantastic. Then we're introduced to the conflict of the movie. Joe's family is about to open another Fox Books, which is a discount bookstore that sells books and serves lattes. But unfortunately for Kathleen, it's right around the corner from her shop, and she's terrified it's going to put her out of business. The two finally meet when Joe takes his aunt and brother out for a day on the town. They're kids. Tom Hanks is not. It's a complicated, 
family dynamic. So they stumble into Kathleen's store and get a front row seat at the magic she creates and the passion she has for her store and for books and the people that come to visit. Kathleen doesn't realize the friendly man with the cute kids will shortly become her arch enemy, though. That is revealed after Fox Books opens and Kathleen starts to see a decline in business. The store her mother built is in trouble and with the guidance of her email pal and the boyfriend she doesn't really seem to like, Kathleen decides to fight back. She organizes rallies, gives speeches, and steps out of her comfort zone, which eventually leads her accepting an offer from her pen pal to finally meet. You guessed it, just like in the shop around the corner, spoiler, Joe is the mysterious pen pal, and he discovers that the woman he is falling for is Kathleen and considers standing her up when he sees her sitting alone at the table waiting for him. And again, he brings a friend along to to look in and see um, if it's worth going in, which, ugh, ugh. But he doesn't stand her up. He goes in. He mocks her. He gets her all riled up, basically encourages her to say exactly what's on her mind, and the two end the night a bit heartbroken. Both of them do. Unfortunately, all that courage in the world doesn't save her shop. And as Kathleen closes the store for good and tries to figure out what she's going to do with her life, Joe starts to woo her into friendship. He uses what he's learned about her from their email correspondences and their relationship begins to grow. They talk, they flirt, they go on walks together, they meet for lunch, they fall for one another. And as Kathleen is ready To try meeting her pen pal again, she heads to the park wishing she was really going to meet Joe. And spoiler, she does, of course. So does this plot really work? Sort of. It sort of works. It works on the screen with beautiful, sincere, and charming actors who write eloquently and are unafraid to share intimate things about their lives. That is not really, I don't think, how online dating works. I could tell you stories about my online dating endeavors that... I just have given up on forever. (laughs) Um, But it shows that the written word can be very powerful. Conversation is powerful. Communication is powerful. And I think that's where this story, this plot really excels. You have two people taking time, and that's the key. They're taking time to form words and thoughts and opinions. The time they are forced to wait through, waiting for a reply, uh, instead of social media where you can just bounce back right away, those words mixed with open hearts, that really starts to build relationships. So on that end, I do think it really works. But when I put myself in the shoes of the female protagonist, I know with certainty that I would be horrified to discover that this man who I hated and then grew to like, who pretended to be my friend while lying to me for weeks, was the pen pal that I trusted and spilled my heart out to. I get why they do it, Mr. Kralik and Joe Fox. The relationship with their ladies is fraught, and it is doubtful that anything could blossom. But that's not giving the women any kind of credit. They are just damsels in distress with psychological disorders. As Ms. Novak puts it, I would be ticked off if I discovered this man I liked was lying to me on multiple levels. I probably wouldn't end it for good, I don't think. But it would take a beat for the forgiving to begin. I wouldn't just dive into their arms and start kissing them. So that's my feelings on that. (laughs) That being said, the idea of pen pals it's it's incredibly romantic. There's a thrill at the anticipation of the first meeting and a relief when they finally get together. And as for You've Got Mail, it's it's almost too sweet. Just how I like my romantic comedies, too sweet and starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. 
But that is it for today. Next episode, we're going to be comparing and contrasting and picking apart the 1954 and 1995 versions of Sabrina. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope that you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review so that other individuals who like random conversations about pop culture with someone, me, who doesn't really know what they're talking about can join in on the fun as well. Or if you want to share the podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as a bit of fun with Emily. Hey, go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time. Thank you.